Live at 5, Sports of Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Well, Jim, the long-awaited return of Carl Anthony Towns. Misses 51 games, come back, and looks like he hadn't missed a single game. He came out and played really well last night. He was spectacular, and I did not really expect that. I thought it would be there would be an easy in-game, and he came out, and he was a big part of the offense right away. He ran the court extremely well, uh, showed no ill effects, uh, played really well, and ends up hitting the, the two-game winning free throws, and he was absolutely thrilled by it. Uh, you see the whole team was really excited to see him out there. Uh, this is a great boost, and it's a great boost at a really important time. They're still kind of hanging in there fighting it out for playoff positioning and play out, play in game positioning, whatever. And they have a tough schedule coming up. They mm-hmm. have to go to uh, uh, the Warriors on Sunday. That's a big game. They're a game behind the Warriors are right now the sixth seed. They win that one. That really changes their prospects. Then the next night they have to go to Sacramento and play the Kings who are excellent, but who don't exactly scare the Timberwolves. Uh, and Edwards might be back for both those games. It might actually be fully healthy for the first time in a long time. Then uh, next Wednesday, they're at the Suns who are excellent. And then uh, the Lakers are at the Timberwolves next Friday. So really a key four-game stretch against key Western Conference teams here, and they might be hitting towns at just the right time. I was watching the telecast uh, last night, and they mentioned that the Timberwolves are in great shape in terms of tiebreakers for all the teams that are around them, that they win the tiebreakers against the Warriors, the Clippers, uh, you know, the Thunder, the Mavericks, whoever it might be, whether it's head-to-head or division record or, or what have you. That's that's certainly nice to have, that they don't have to finish a half game ahead of any of these teams. Uh, no doubt about it, and that you could really see this year that that tiebreaker playing a major role. Um now, what you'd really love to see is this team with Edwards and with Towns get hot and pass the Warriors and be a legitimate number six seed, not have to deal with the playing stuff and, you know, end up playing. And, and if the six seed, then they're probably matched up against the Kings in the first round. Again, the Kings are excellent and they're hard to defend, but the Wolves are not afraid of them. They played them well. They beat them the last time they played them in Sacramento. That could be a great first round series. Kings or Grizzlies? Who would you? Who do you think that Wolves match up better against? That's a great question. Uh, the Wolves really, you know, if, De- if Russell had played better, the Wolves might have won that first round series against Memphis last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they tend to play them, you know, fairly tough. Uh, John Morant is having his problems. They've had some injury problems down there, but they are good and they do play defense and they're well coached. You know, the Kings to me, uh, are overachieving a bit this year. Uh, they've lost a couple games in a row right now. Um, you know, they aren't as dominant at his home as a lot of the other teams in that realm. I, I just feel like the, the Kings, you might be catching them a year before they really know what they're doing in terms of playing in the postseason. So I, I guess I would prefer the Kings at the moment. But that, that's assuming that John Morant settles down and comes back and plays well. You know, one thing I noticed about Towns' demeanor on the court last night, he seemed a lot more calm than he sometimes does. Uh, you know, there's been, um, you know, talk of some emotional maturity and things so far with, with, with Towns during the course of his career. Is it possible for him to sit that long and kind of reevaluate where he is in the league and who he wants to be when he comes back on the floor? I do think so. I think he's a really thoughtful guy, um, and he has been emotional, and I think it, it's been – Kind of a catch-22. Is he too emotional on the court? Yes. Uh, and usually in response to not getting calls, it's also true that he doesn't get calls like most players of his ability. So it's like his, his emotions are justified. They just don't do him much good. 
Hmm. Uh, and you and you just hate to see any player like fail to get back on defense because they're complaining about a call. So you sit there and you watch your teammates play and you see Anthony Edwards complain about calls and it's not really doing them any good. It, I think, you know, I don't know that Towns would admit it, but maybe that has had an effect on him. He sees that, you know, certain certain behaviors are not rewarded in the NBA, whether they should be or not. And, you know, you're better off just putting your head down, getting back on defense and hoping that the calls even out. Golden State has been interesting this year. Of course, they had the fight uh, before the season began where Draymond punched out one of his teammates. And and I was listening to uh, Kendrick Perkins on Talk TV the other day who played in the NBA forever. And uh, he was saying he believes with Golden State that it's a chemistry problem there, that they haven't really recovered from the Draymond punch of uh, Jordan Poole before the season began, that that continues to be kind of a black cloud over that team. Have you seen that, or do you think that's true? Yes. And, uh, you know, I mean, it was a it was a full-on – this wasn't yeah. a scrap. This wasn't pushing each other, shoving each other in the chest. This was a – blast he this was a brutal mm-hmm. punch to the face um and i and it also stems from the fact that draymond's probably on his way out probably toward the end of his career uh and he's one of those players who as soon as he stops being of great value you're gonna get rid of him. he's just pain in the butt mm-hmm. uh and jordan Poole has gotten a big contract he's part of the future but he hasn't really you know been the guy there yet so i do think they have problems steve kerr early this season admitted this is the greatest crisis this group has ever faced. Mm. And it's really interesting. The Warriors 29 and seven at home. So at home when they have good vibes and crowd on their side, they are, they, they probably the best home team in the Western conference other than maybe, you know, other than Denver and Memphis who are just good overall, mm. the Warriors on the road, nine and 29 mm. by yeah. far the worst road record of anybody other than San Antonio and Houston just aren't even trying to win. Uh, so you wonder if when they go on the road and you have to need a little more mental toughness, you need a little more cohesiveness, they just don't have it. And the Timberwolves at home have kind of struggled. I mean, their win last night ended a five-game home losing streak. They're only four games over 500 at home. You need look no further than that to see why they're right at 500 this late in the year. Yes, and they've had some inspiring victories. They've also had just and listen, every team, everybody in the NBA, everybody in the NBA has had disappointing losses, mm. especially the middle of the pack teams in the West. But it just feels like the Wolves, it's been particularly frustrating. And maybe it's just because we see them more often. But they've just lost a handful of games that they absolutely had no excuse losing. And right now, that's what's killing them. I mean, if they'd won, you know, they'd beaten the Nuggets one more time, they beat the Rockets one more time, beat the Spurs one more time. All of a sudden, they got 40 wins. They're a four seed, you know, but but they are having to make up ground for having lost games like that. Let's talk twins a little bit. Are we into the portion now, I would think, of, of spring training where we start to pay a little closer attention? The lineups are more uh, closely aligned with what they'll be to start the year and the injuries already afflicting the twins with Polanco and Kirilov not being able to answer the call for the opening day. Yes, that is really all that really matters for this team is injuries and it's it is disturbing that they already are talking about two of their projected starters not being ready. Um, you know, it's a, it, it, it works out a little bit and that Bucks can, can DH and maybe this gets Larnix bat in the lineup. Maybe that gives them another middle leader or a thumper, but uh, not having Carroll off who they've been waiting on for years now to be uh, a middle of the order producer, uh, not having Polanco who's been an all-star caliber middle of the order producer. It exacerbates the main problem for this team, which is they don't have proven middle of the order run producers. And now they're even thinner there. Uh, It is, it is worrisome. 
And and it looks like the pitching staff is going to start the year healthy. That that appears to me to be the strength of the team at this point. Yes, uh, I think the strength of this team is that they have really deep pitching. They have a six man deep rotation if you include Billy Ober. They have a, the deepest and best bullpen they've had under Falvey and Levine by far. They've Duran as a pot potentially all star closer should be an all star closer. Lopez an all star closer last year as a setup guy. Uh, Alco is looking really good. I mean, they have, they are loaded on the pitching side in terms of numbers and, and organizational depth. Uh, I think they will be a very good fielding team. Uh, Michael Taylor signing, I think, you know, will really make up for Buxton being their DH. Uh, I just don't know who's going to produce the runs. Yeah. Um, you know, Buxton and Correa at the top of the lineup's great, but who's going to get the big hit? That's going to be the big question here. Yeah. Joe Ryan looked good yesterday. I mean, uh, you know, he's a guy who could have been the number one starter last year. They gave it to Sonny Gray because of his veteran status. But uh, certainly Ryan seems to be developing on a pace that they had really hoped he would. Yes, he looks great. He looked great early in spring. Uh, You really sensed around the pitchers coming in this year that a lot of them coming off COVID the previous spring didn't feel like they had necessarily prepared themselves the right way for that season. And it, a lot of them kind of took corrective action this off season, whether it was extensive workouts, whether it was uh, getting their arm really rested, whether it was going to driveline, the famous pitching Academy, uh, they all just seemed really eager to be, you know, top of the rotation starters. You basically have five guys who all feel like they should be at the top of the rotation. If they're anywhere close to being right, this could be a, a you know, listen, you let, when it comes to the playoffs, you want to have an ace. Winning regular season is much more about having, you know, people give you a chance on a nightly basis, and they should have that. Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.